welcome to the What Up Doc University podcast, your number one resource for total body wellness. Here's your host, Dr. Mike. So welcome to the Q&A Wellness Wednesdays. My name is Dr. Mike from What Up Doc University podcast and also Velocity Wellness Center. We do this every single Wednesday, 7 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. Um, basically, what I do is I, uh, I I let you guys ask your questions and I go through them and then whatever questions I can answer, we answer them on here. Um, and we're also recording this as a live podcast as well. So let's get to it. Let's see. Um, let me scroll through these questions. All right. Nancy is asking... When we do the fun fast, do we still do all our other supplements like Flex, Pure, Vitamins, Minerals, and Dream? The answer is no. We just stick to fasting. We stick to alkali. We stick to fun uh, enzymes. And we are just letting those things work. And the purpose of that is to give your body that chance to burn off all that excess stored energy, glycogen, and the, the excess sugar that your body's intaking and giving your body that rest from digestion and that's so your body can get into a fat burning mode and also burning ketones for energy. I haven't gotten too much on ketosis, but we'll talk about that later on. And that's the whole purpose is switching your body on what it's burning for current energy so that it can burn fat for energy. Great question. Jen is asking, when a, a stage four liver cancer patient has high amino acids and is prescribed lactulose, should she still continue to do the whole kit? Also, would red beets and carrot juice be advantageous for her to consume as well? All right, so let's talk about uh, stage four liver in and of itself. Um, whenever we start seeing the main organ for detoxification having liver, that just means that the body's overburdened with toxicity and that its ability to detoxify is very, very compromised. <clears throat> so if we start uh, doing things, you know, like using red beet, carrot juice, and, and we start pushing the liver too quickly, um, the liver is going to have a very, very difficult time um, doing the things that it needs to do. So stuff like like what I just said, uh, red beets and carrots and uh, maybe kale, green stuff, that that may push the liver too quickly. And there, there are other things that we actually need to do to support the liver. Um, you know, one of the things we do in our office is coffee enemas to get the liver back uh, to functioning. One of the main antioxidants that we need to boost up is glutathione. And that, that's one of the main main ways we're going to boost glutathione, you know, with using coffee enemas. Also increasing the consumption of undenatured whey protein is one of the best ways to get the body to um, produce glutathione. And it converts there. Um, as far as continuing with, with a kit, I... I I say yes and no. It's hard for me to give a direct answer on that without doing another complete examination, kind of seeing the, the past history on, on what the patient's going through because everybody is different. So I can't give a definitive answer on that. All right, Tara's asking, 
fatty liver disease, best way to try to reverse this. I'm thinking of T-Kit for sure with enzymes, but any other suggestions? All right. So basically fatty liver is when the body is consuming or has been consuming too much of carbohydrates. So the body is storing that as excess glycogen um, and excess adipose tissue. And that's one of the things that happens with the liver. Uh, Another thing too, that what we find common with fatty liver is a compromised colon. So what the body does is it increases fat deposition in the colon to act as a storage medium and almost like this, a buffer for the excess toxins that's not getting out of the body. So the place that we start off every single patient is detoxification. Uh, with fatty liver, we got to ad- address the the causative factors, uh, which is primarily dietary intake. So we got to look at the diet. And one of the things that we always do with patients is we do a two-day water fast and we put them on an elimination diet, eliminating the common offenders of wheat, corn, dairy, soy, eggs, uh, we basically strip away all the things and we start adding things back over a two-week span. Uh, and that's a little bit more complicated than, than what we're going over tonight. Uh, so we strip away all these things and we start adding things back in. Getting the body rehydrated is another one. And then instituting things maybe like coffee enemas, um, supportive nutrients for for the liver and all that kind of stuff. And making sure that we're working on the colon and the different detoxification pathways. So go back and listen to the podcast episode where we talk about detoxification. I think that's episode like 38 or 39. Look up, look at, just look it up on the, on, on our website and that'll give you a little bit more information on detoxification. But that's the main thing uh, that we need to be addressing for fatty liver disease. Uh, let's see. All right. A 14-month-old child has lots of food allergies, eczema, and not gaining enough weight. Mm, uh, mucousy, greenish, foul poop. It's <clears throat> leaky gut, right? Currently, the child is on hypoallergenic milk. Uh, Nutragement. What do you even pronounce that word? Uh, been getting a... <clears throat> I can't even read that. Been getting pure... Uh, vitamin D drop and teaspoon, slightly improvement seen. What is your recommendation? Um, all right. Uh, so if I'm reading this correctly, <clears throat> what I what I recommend, it has nothing to do with like leaky gut or anything like that, because that that that's still just a symptomatic thing. That's that's an effect. It's usually because of something that happened to the baby while the baby was growing in mom. Um, it's usually because of what we call a state of hypervigilance. So mom had a was in a state where her adrenal glands were in a lowered state and she started stealing from her kid. So she started stealing the adrenal hormones from her kid and the adrenals went into hyperadrenia. And then basically the baby came out in a state of hypervigilance, meaning that the adrenals are not working properly. Uh, So that affects the gut, that affects allergies, eczema, all that kind of stuff. So it's all about the adrenal glands. Now, the question is, what do we do about it? Well, uh, we got to look at, was the child vaccinated, you know, exposing them to more stressors 
um, what types of different things that were, were they doing? Was, was the baby uh, nursed by mom? Uh, if the baby was, what kind of toxin exposure was the mom exposed to previous to getting pregnant? Because that comes out in, in the milk supply. So all, all of these different factors play into, into this. Um, I would recommend that mom still go on nursing the baby, but also mom needs to detoxify or work on some type of detoxification. You got to look at pesticide exposure. Um, you got to look at envir other environmental factors like what's going on in the home. Sometimes I see uh, children being exposed to mold in the home. So mycotoxins and all of that. Because um, what's happening is that the body's trying to get rid of the to toxicity. And, and that's what's going on. I don't recommend um, all that other stuff like hypoallergenic milk. Uh, if you are doing milk, it has to be whole raw milk. You need, need to increase the fat in, in the milk. Um, and then also getting back to uh, the bond between mom and, and baby. So that that's where I would start with that. Uh, let's see. Next question. Um, dude, Lauren's asking, number one, what are helpful supplements and foods to add and or avoid with essential tremor? Uh, tremors mostly in the head with increased tremors during stressful situations. Uh, so let me answer that one. Anything that, well, I shouldn't say anything. It's you need to work with a, a healthcare professional on this because it needs to be determined what foods agree with and what foods do not agree with the body. Okay, so uh, off the top of my head, we can't just put people into a cookie cutter thing. It has to be on an individual basis. So you got to be working with a, a healthcare professional on that. And two, can you talk about stevia versus honey or maple syrup? Many paleo followers don't recommend stevia. Can you have too much stevia and does that spike your blood glucose levels, which could take you out of fat burning mode? Um, well, let me answer the first part on paleo. Uh, I'm not a, I'm not a person that, well, you know, as a healthcare practitioner, I never ascribe to one single diet per person. Um, I look at a lot of the stuff that that worked that was being talked about in paleo. I don't agree with a lot of it. Um, the science isn't there, and from a clinical picture, I've never seen great results with it. I've I've seen actually more detrimental damage than anything, and it's not because of the the ideas behind it. It's also it's always the implementation. So, same thing like like with Atkins or anything like that. It was all always the implementation behind it, never the theory. Uh, so when people think about paleo, they think, oh, well, you know, I'm just going to eat sausages and whatever. And that doesn't necessarily work with your body. So like like I said, you, I, I truly recommend people working with a healthcare practitioner. If you have no idea what you're doing, you know, with your diet and with your health, you got to be working with a healthcare practitioner that can guide you along the way, that can make sure that you're not doing the wrong things. Now, getting to the question behind stevia versus honey maple syrup, um, Honey and maple syrup all does it does affect the the insulin uh, insulin response in the body. Stevia has a less of an insulin response. I haven't seen that high of an insulin response, but the bot it still activates the sweet pathway. So 
it, your tongue has receptors that will, you know, obviously that's why you taste. You taste sweet, sour, salty, um, sour, and, and you know, you, you so you have all of these different taste buds, and it and it affects different different parts of your brain, and and your brain will affect and send a signal down to the organs in your body. So there is some type of neurological effect. Uh, stevia in and of itself will not create an insulin response, but the neuro, neurologically it may. Uh, will it take you out of fat burning mode? Yes and no. Um, I've seen people get out of, well, you're not necessarily always going to be in 100% of fat burning mode and you're never going to be in 100% on sugar burning mode. It's always it's always a ratio of all these different types. So it's what, what are you doing predominantly, okay? Unless you are in a severely uh, fasted state where you've depleted all your glycogen stores and you haven't taken in anything of exogenous glucose because your body will still break down um, proteins and, and will create glucose out of that and your body will convert fat into glucose. So uh, it, it's not necessarily will you always be in fat burning mode or sugar burning mode because your body is always going towards that sugar burning mode. Um, it's it's looking at what what is the hormonal response in the body? Because, I mean, you can be burning fat for energy, but if your hormones are, are completely off, it, that won't matter either. So, I mean, if you guys go back onto the hormone episode and the detoxification episode, you'll see that I talk a lot about, you know, you can do all of these different diets that will try to and, and tell you that you're going to get into a fat burning mode. Um, but if your hormones are off and your gut is off, neurological systems off it doesn't matter you know because you'll always be off so that's my answer for that um jennifer jennifer is asking my thoughts on parasitic cleanses i came across a very informative blog regarding skin health hormones and gut health uh yeah i i always recommend a parasitic cleanse for all my patients uh, i we always start with that because I, I pretty much see all of my patients have some type of parasitic infection, uh, whether it's obvious on a symptomatic picture or a clinical picture, at some fundamental level, there is some type of parasitic infection going on, whether it's at a subclinical level or a symptomatic picture. So at one point or another within your treatment process, you'll always have to start purging out parasites. Now, it's not going to be as gross as what may pe people may think. Like you're not going to see like tapeworms or anything that coming out. Sometimes you do. So I'm not here to gross you out, but sometimes you do. But most times you don't. Okay, so I always recommend doing that at least once a year because our, our food supply is not being monitored closely enough because a lot of a lot, the majority of our food supplies coming in from overseas, and we just don't have the manpower to inspect every single piece of fruit that's coming in from Bolivia or Ecuador. We we, we don't have the manpower for that. So about two thirds of the food that that we're consuming has not been inspected closely enough. So um, the other thing too is we are we're supposed to be able to get rid of parasites 
or not even get into our system if we have a healthy immune system. But because we lead so stressful lives, our immune system are lowered and then we get infected by the different parasites. So that then will affect cellular function and so on. Um, and yeah, it does, it does affect your skin health, hormones, everything. It, 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 main thing that I see that is it affects your neurological balance. So people who have severe emotional issues that is unexplained is usually having some type of parasitic infection. So parasites, it's everywhere. You got to take care of that. Uh, Tara's asking, what are my thoughts on Tylenol? I'm just getting over the flu. And every day my husband asked how I was feeling and then said, well, did you take any Tylenol? Telling me I'd feel better faster if I had done, if I've done so just wanted my thoughts. Um, so what your husband is saying is what we've all been educated on, right? I shouldn't, I gotta get rid of, I can't say educated anymore. It's what we've been brainwashed, I should say. So you get sick, you've been brainwashed to either go to your medical doctor and get antibiotics or take Tylenol because that's what we've been marketed to. But if you ask yourself, what does Tylenol do? Right? Tylenol is basically salicylic acid, which is a pain reliever or a fever reducer. It basically, it, it goes in and it blocks the inflammatory process and it blocks the natural thing that what your immune system is doing. So you got to figure there's, there's two main things of what's going on when your body gets infected and you get either a cold or a flu. Um, you're feeling the effects of the, the invading organism, okay? And you're feeling the effects of the immune system being lowered, but you're also feeling the effects of the toxicity response going on in your body. So the immune system part that you're feeling is that you, you, the immune system, like the white blood cells and and all that stuff, the, the macrophages, right? That what they're doing is they're creating this onslaught of they're creating toxins, right? They they secrete toxins, they secrete um, different things like called you know reactive oxygen species because they're trying to kill off these foreign invaders. You're feeling the effect of that. Secondly, you're feeling the toxic effects of the uh, the the you know the die off of these organisms. So if you had a bacterial infection, then and you had the white, white blood cells that are secreting these reactive oxygen species basically blowing up these uh, bacteria and, and viruses, you're feeling the, the all the toxins coming out and then your body um, trying to get rid of it, trying to create an, an inflammatory process, right? So a fever is the body's natural way of getting rid of these foreign invaders. Now, what happens when you take something that will block the inflammatory process? Well, you don't necessarily get rid of all of these foreign invaders. So you may feel better, but you're not necessarily getting to the root of the cause. So for whenever I have patients that come in and they're talking about, I have a fever and everything like that, I say, yeah, let's, let's help that along. So we put people in infrared saunas. We put people in hot uh, baths to actually induce fevers so that the body can actually speed up the process. Um, you never ever want to stop the body's natural process because the more you do that, what happens is the body becomes weaker. So you got to do stuff that will aid the body's natural ability to heal itself rather than hinder it. Okay. So the other part, like I go back, 
is we've been brainwashed on certain things, right? It, it's this knee-jerk response. So we have to now get into this more critical thinking of, well, how is my body working? And if I take XYZ medication, is that helping the process or is that hindering the process? And nine times out of 10, guys, it's hindering the process, the natural process of why, why the body's even going that way. Uh, let's see. Do, do, do. Uh, all right, here's a question Pam is asking. Uh, just met with a friend that is suffering from degenerative disc in his neck and two bone spurs too. He is experiencing nerve pain going down his arms where he try when he tries to sleep. Got him taking a loading dose of alkylate and taking the minerals too. He is about six foot four and two hundred pounds. He was working out moderately until his diagnosis. He's seeing a, a DC who specializes in neurology, neurology, should I encourage the enzymes thoughts? He's thinking to make an appointment at Mayo Clinic. Um, all right, so a couple questions that I would have for you or the DC is, um, we have to start looking at why the disc is degenerating. And there's Three major reasons why the disc would be degenerating. First of all, would be a mechanical uh, misalignment, a subluxation. That's pretty obvious. Second one is um, hydration levels. Uh, and then the third one is a blood sugar handling problem. So it's usually that the blood sugar is spiking too high and then dropping too low and not being able to deliver enough nutrients to get to the disc. So the disc starts to basically dry out. Okay. So the, uh, your discs are made out of sugars and proteins. Okay. That's why it's called glycosaminoglycans. Now, uh, whenever I start seeing bone spurs start coming into play, there's, there's a mechanical aspect, but more so there's also an imbalance in the body's pH levels. So what does this all mean? Well, obviously you got to be getting adjusted correctly. And then we also need to start normalizing the, you know, the blood sugar levels that medications will never, ever do that. There is <clears throat> the, the best way that, that, that I find to balance out blood sugar levels is using a technique by total body modification. So what we do with every single one of my patients is we reset the blood sugar circuit. Um, Mo that's never ever taught in any type of neurology class because it's beyond what's capable of being diagnosed uh, with our common methods of looking at the nerves. So there's a technique from TBM called balancing out the blood sugar. So TBM stands for total body modification. Okay, so we, that, that's the first place that you got to start is balancing out blood sugar. Second part is obviously getting adjusted, looking at why and where you need to adjust. Um, and then the third part is looking at the body's pH levels because I can guarantee you that it's super acidic. And what happens there is that the body will go into a state of leaching out calcium and magnesium and potassium from the bone structure and then bone spurs will form. Now, along those lines, another thing that has to be addressed is the fascia. 
So looking for a person that knows how to do fascial soft tissue work is another integral part. Uh, I can guarantee you that there's something going on within the balance of his hips going all the way down to his feet because there is what's called a posterior fascial line that goes all the way from the feet all the way through the neck up through the back that's causing some type of um, distortion in the fascial patterns. So there's more than just looking at one area. We got to look at the entire body. We got to look at how um, neurologically the, the the head is is being placed upon the eyes, what type of uh, joint mechanoreceptor uh, issues is having going on from the pelvis, the sacral region, the occipital region, down to the feet. So there's all of these things that needs to be addressed um, to get the body back into where it needs to be. So that's my answer for that. Uh, and the follow-up question you were asking, I know you have talked about your special water you drink. Can you please tell this, what brand it is and where do you order it from? Uh, the water we drink is called Mountain Valley Spring Water. So I think you can just go on their website, Mountain Valley Spring Water, and you can look for um, you know, the local distributor, wherever they carry it in your area. And then uh, you can set yourself up to get some Mountain Valley Spring Water. Carrie is asking, thyroid and slow metabolism, losing weight, even inches is an issue for my client. Do you have any suggestions or perks I can share with her? She is currently in a whole transformation kit. Um, yeah, thyroid, it, you're looking at the wrong issue. Thyroid is always secondary to adrenal function. And it also stems from some type of heavy metal or pesticide toxicity. So you got to look further up the stream than thyroid. Thyroid is always downstream, you know, whenever we um, see stuff, unless there's a direct impact on a thyroid, uh, which is... In, in my opinion, pretty rare. I, re I rarely focus on the thyroid initially. You got to look upstream adrenals. You got to look at all the rest of the stuff like heavy metals and pesticides and also um, parasites. So that's where I would start. Um, we got a couple more questions. Ricky is asking, what's a good detox for people with high uric acid? Um you got to get off of the fruit. So listen to my podcast on gout. One of the main things that people don't think about for um, high uric acid levels is the inability for the body to process fructose. Okay, so that that's one of them. Second part <clears throat> is looking at the kidneys and how the kidneys are functioning. So you got to get hydrated, making sure that they're hydrated and then... Um, uh, Fruits and fruits and vegetables as well, but main ones that I like is asparagus and celery. Okay. Raylene is asking, what detox do you recommend if there was mold exposure within a home? Um, so you, first, yeah, what I recommend to, to get specific on that is looking at what type of mold you're exposed to. So you can get test kits for your home that will tell you exactly what types of molds you were exposed to. And then um, there's a specific, it, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of hard to do this one, uh, but there's a specific way that you can detoxify from that. Uh, I won't get into too much on that because it's very, it's very arduous to do this part. Um, it, it, it'll be in my, in my course, uh, detoxification for health. Um, but 
a simpler way to detoxify is basically just to, I would start with two cups of Epsom salts and soak in that, um, just kind of open up the lymphatics. And then using stuff like, uh, it's called zeolite. Um, it's almost like an activated charcoal, but zeolite you can find, it's like volcanic ash. And basically you're, that that's one of the best ways that I've found to get rid of mold mycotoxins, you know, in the body. Um, there are there are other more specific ways, but zeolite is actually one of the most simple and, and most effective way to get mold toxins out of the body. Um, so hopefully this was useful for you guys and uh, love all the questions and love all the all the interactions. So next week I will be back on um, uh, I will be back on Wednesday, same bat time, same bat channel. Uh, my wife will be on on a cruise in the middle of the Caribbean Ocean, and I will be here in the middle of California taking care of my baseball team and also my kids as well. So till the next week, I'll see you guys. Be well and aloha. Aloha.